here today. I best. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk about digging out of debt today. Debt's a big deal for a lot of people, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of pressure being put on individuals and families because of the debt that they are in. And uh, you know, our culture makes it pretty easy to get into debt. Someone has said that debt is like a comfortable bed. It's easy to get into and it's hard to get out of. And there are a lot of opportunities to get into debt in our culture. But, but I would also say that other places as well. Uh, I, was, uh, I was presenting some of this same material to the students and some of the graduates of one of our schools in East Africa. And, you know, no, there's no credit cards per se. There's no, you know, title, the title uh, pawn shop things. And so I was kind of thinking, I don't really know how much this is going to matter, but I'm prepared to tell them about debt. And so I just said, all right, let me, give me an idea. How many of you are in debt? Don't tell me anything, but are you in debt? Literally every hand went up. I couldn't believe it. I said, what? Oh, yeah, because my neighbor, you know, uh, I asked my neighbor to help me, so I, I owe them this, and, and, um, and my grandmother needed something, so I borrowed something to take care of that, and literally every single person was in debt. It's, it's kind of a universal thing. It, it just comes in four different forms. It brings about um, some of the same stress, though. It kind of doesn't matter how much or where or how you got there. There's a lot of challenges that come with being in debt. And I'm, I know, I don't know anything specific, but I just know in a number this size, there, I'm talking to somebody who is in debt. And, um, you know, we've heard, all heard the catchphrases, don't leave home without it. Some of you are old enough to remember that, that one. Don't leave home without it. It's what? Anybody remember? American Express, there you go. Uh, there, there are some things that money can't buy. For everything else, there is MasterCard. These are really catchy. I mean, they pay ad agencies a lot of money to come up with this stuff, and it, it works because we still remember it. Um, we talked about some credit card issues this morning, so I don't want to really go over a, a lot of that or any of that. And that's only part of the problem. But I do want to talk about, from a biblical standpoint, about debt. Proverbs 22.7 is your homework. This is your memory work. Memorize this verse. Take a Sharpie and write it on the back of your credit card. No, write it on the front of your credit card. Proverbs 22.7. This is a very wealthy man who was inspired by the Holy Spirit, and Proverbs 22, 7 says, the borrower is servant to the lender. The borrower is servant to the lender. Has a truer statement ever been made? Now, I know in our culture, we're trying to get out of, we're trying to have uh, debts uh, forgiven. There's even a big push politically to have student loans just wiped away. If that happens, I want to sign up for a retroactive deal, right? And while we're at it, how about the more, my mortgage? I got five years left on that thing. Can we do something about that? We, like, nobody wants responsibility for, for whatever, but, but the reality is there is responsibility. And for those of us who 
live on a higher plane and we know that we voluntarily chose this debt, we have an obligation. And at the same time, it is true and it will always be true that the, the borrower is servant to the lender. I want to share with you at least three different ways in which that's true. First of all, there is mental slavery. There's this mental servitude because of the, the, the emotional stress and the worrying that goes along with it. And you might be thinking, well, I've got a little debt, but I don't really worry about it. Well, that, that's good, but there are those who have incurred so much, they don't know what they're going to do. It affects their sleep. It affects their emotional state. It's true. There's also a physical slavery that comes along with debt because now I am working for the purpose of paying off the debt. And there's a certain amount of my work that I get to keep the wages of it, but there's a certain amount of work I'm doing just for the sake of paying off what I have, the debt that I have incurred. There's a physical slavery. And then there is a legal slavery. I am warranted, I am obligated by law to pay the creditor. And contrary to how it may feel at the time, debt doesn't bring freedom. Debt does not bring freedom. What Solomon said was true. Debt brings slavery. Now, let me stop right here. As I said this morning, sometimes this is in a much less formal setting and people ask questions and that kind of thing. One of the questions I always get is, is all debt bad? That's a very good question. And the answer is no. Now, if you listen to some of the most popular um, financial people out there, well, I know one particular says, don't ever have any debt for any reason. Well, I disagree. Uh, not all debt is bad. And how do you define the two? Well, to borrow money for an asset is one thing. To borrow money for a liability is another. Does that make sense? If you borrow money for an asset, let's say a house, there is a, a reasonable expectation of appreciation. By the way, until just the last couple of weeks, that, that, the, the mortgage rates were ridiculously low. Mine's 3%. I'm in no hurry to pay that off. If they'll let me take another 20 years, I'll be okay with that because of that. But, you know, but my first mortgage was 9%. Okay, I want that done as quick as I can. But if you borrow money for a liability or something that depreciates, that's a different story. Because if I've borrowed money for an asset, I have reason to believe that I'm not going to get behind on this thing. This thing is going to continue to appreciate as I'm paying it off. The irony is the borrowing money for assets usually costs less than borrowing money for liabilities. You can get a 4% loan for a house, for a car, which depreciates the minute you drive off the lot, it's 8%. There's a, there, and it's not just coincidence, there's stuff factored into that, but uh, that car goes down in value. My youngest son is currently, while he's in school, car, currently working for a, at a car dealership, and they had a, uh, a guy come in the other day who was interested in a vehicle. They priced it out. If he, if he got that car and borrowed it, I guess, I don't know if it's four or five years, his payment was going to be $1,600 a month for a pickup truck. By the way, if you don't know anything about the price of pickup trucks right now, it's unbelievable. We used to drive trucks because they were the only thing you could afford. Now they're about the only thing you can't afford. They have pickup trucks now that are almost six figures in price. 
This guy's housing was nine hundred a month. The car was going to, the truck was going to be sixteen hundred a month. Now I'm happy to say that my son reported the man chose against that, but, but there are a lot of people going for it because right now I want that thing. Man, that thing smells good. It looks good. I'd look cool in this thing. And then the first payment comes, and then the second one, and then the fortieth one, and then the fifty-ninth one, and it's now worth less than half of what I paid for it, and I'm kind of sick of it by now anyway. Debt feels good to get into, doesn't bring freedom. All right, so how do you know if you're living in debt? Let me just give you a few signs. Some of them may or may not be true with you. Maybe none of them are. Probably not all of them for anyone. Uh, you're living on credit. You, the, the principle of your credit is increasing, not decreasing. You're using perhaps a credit card for cash advances. By the way, if you use a credit card for cash advance, that 18 or 20% starts the minute you get it. Not like a credit card where you kind of have a month, you have a, a month of uh, leeway there, the, the cash advance starts immediately. Uh, you're making only the minimum payment. Maybe you're using one card to pay off another card. I'm telling you, if, this, if any of this is true, this is not where God wants you to be because he wants you to enjoy life a lot better than, than, that's, than that's going to lead you to be. And if you don't pay what you owe each month, it means you're living on credit. That's as simple as, as it can be. If you don't pay every month what you owe, you're living on credit. And so if you're living on credit, it's a sign that you're probably either in debt or you're headed there really quickly. And if you're living on credit, I'm going to suggest it probably indicates one of two or if not two things about your life. Number one, you're not content. Because if you have intentionally chosen something for which you cannot afford, why? There could be extenuating circumstances, and I'm not saying there aren't. But in our culture, most of the time, it's because I just, wasn't, I just wanted something else. I wanted something newer, nicer, better. Another thing it perhaps indicates is that you're taking tomorrow for granted. You see, when I say, give me this and I'll take care of it later, I'm assuming there's going to be a later. Now, I know the worldly mind is like, oh, hey, if, it, if the later doesn't come, then I don't have to pay it. But that, that's not the godly mind. The godly mind says, if I, if I commit to it, I'll do it. Another sign you might be in debt is you're making impulse purchases. Again, you either are or you're headed there if you're continuing to make impulse purchases. Somebody has said that McDonald's has made millions of dollars with six words. Six words. Would you like fries with that? And suddenly one potato is worth $2.79. Because it's very easy to say, yeah, I mean, and they're good. I mean, if, if they're hot, if they're not, they're not. But they're, they're really good. So, yeah, I wasn't planning on fries. I was just popping in here. But, yeah, sure, I'll have fries. It makes it very easy to do that. Remember Proverbs 21.17. Proverbs 21.17. If you buy whatever pleases your eye, this is what Solomon said through inspiration. If you buy whatever pleases your eye, you will be poor. That's what he said. In other words, if you just get what you want, when you want it, you'll never have anything. And some of us have experienced that. 
See, there's two big problems with impulse purchase. By the way, have you ever been in a situation where you went into a store to get one thing and then you walked out with 17 things? Anybody want to admit to that? How about this? You go into a store and you see something that you didn't even know existed, but now you suddenly need it. And you stand there and you rationalize and you know, well, you know, I've had a hard week and I think I should treat myself. By the way, the slogans will encourage you to do that, right? Treat yourself, you take care of you. And, um, and, and before long, you're just walking out with this thing you didn't plan on, didn't, know, didn't even know it existed, but suddenly you have to have it. I was in a Walmart one time to get one little thing. So I went to that, uh, the lane where you're not supposed to have more than 20 items. By the way, if you come in there with 21, I'm watching you, and I don't appreciate it one bit. I'm standing there with my one thing. There was a woman in front of me with one thing, but there were a few people in line. And so while we're standing there, you know, they've got the magazines and the gum and all that conveniently placed for your perusal, you know. And so she picks up, the woman in front of me picks up a magazine, thumbs through it, throws it on the belt. She sees another one. Apparently she thought that one too. She threw that one down. And then it did it a third time. She had been in line with, I don't remember what it was, but at the time I remember thinking it was like $3. And she paid $17 for that one thing she went for in the three magazines. She wasn't even interested in, until she had two minutes to stand next to them. That's an impulse purchase. And if you are making imp, regularly making impulse purchases, probably... That's based on greed and not need. The, the magazine was not a need. The thing was not a need. The new driver is not going to make you play good golf. I know, I've tried. You know, because you think, just surely if I had a better driver, I could, no, I'm st still the same guy holding the, you know, that thing is just, it's not a need, it's just greed. There's a second problem with impulse purchases. It's usually unplanned. We talked this morning about Solomon said you need to make a plan. Impulse purchases typically are not a part of the plan. Now, if your plan has a category for impulse purchases, okay, you're in it. Most don't. And so there's a problem with impulse purchases, uh, especially for those of us. And here's the thing. There, there is a reality in which credit cards are now a part of our society. And... You know, if you pay it off, of course, you don't pay the, the interest and all that, and definitely don't use a credit card if you don't plan on paying it off, every bit of it, the month it's due. But, you know, here's another challenge that, to be aware of. Surveys have shown that when you use a credit card to pay for something, you spend 23% more than if you'd use cash. 23% more. If that's true, can you surmise why? Because there's no immediate pain. I mean, you just swipe and go. In fact, you don't even have to swipe anymore, do you? I can hold my phone up to the gas pump and I don't have to you know, touch that nasty keypad. I've still got to do the pump, but um, you know, we, we don't have to swipe. It makes it so easy. But whereas if it's cash, there's an immediate subtraction. There's an immediate pain. So be careful, even if you pay it off, be careful that you're not spending more just because it's so easy. Another sign you might be in debt is you can't afford to give God 
give to God or save. If you're in a situation where just to get by, God has to be a budget cut, you're not where you need to be. And there are a lot of people, and this is one of the things that kind of moved me into the direction of trying to, to figure out what the Bible says about managing rather than just giving, is I knew people who wanted to give more, but they couldn't because they had managed so poorly. It was all they could do to get by month to month. And God was a casualty of their lack of discipline. Did you hear me? God's priorities were cut short because they had not disciplined themselves to manage well the things that he had given them. And if you're in a position where you're struggling to even give anything, or you're struggling to even save anything, you are living in a place where you don't need to be and you don't want to be. What it means is I'm spending too much of myself, not enough on the things that really matter. John D. Rockefeller said that his, uh, his personal uh, formula was to give 10%, save 10%, and live on the rest. Not hard and fast, but it's a pretty good rule of thumb. If you're not giving at least 10%, by the way, the poorest Jew to ever live and be commended for his giving gave 10%. That's the least ever anyone was ever commended. If we're not in a place where we're giving 10%, we're not in a place where we can save 10%, and live on the 80, we're, we're, we're not in the place where we really need to be, and it's also not a very comfortable place as well. So let's talk about how to get out of debt. You've got to start taking some steps, okay? Number one, I'm going to say start today. I say that because it's so easy, isn't it? When anything I need to do, uh, I, I, my pants are getting a little tight, I really need to start doing a little better on my diet. And you know when I'm going to start on that? You too. Tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. I mean, if tomorrow ever came, we'd be so busy, wouldn't we? Because anything we don't really want to do that's going to require some little bit of pain, a little bit of discipline, anything we want like that, it's going to be later. Tomorrow, Monday, whatever it is. No, start today. Start today. Psalm 37, 21 is another verse to listen to. And again, I know it clashes with our culture because the culture has these advertisements how you can basically <coughs> get out of the debt that you've incurred. Here's what the Bible says, the wicked borrow and never repay. Ouch. See, my culture doesn't agree with that, but, but, but that's what God says. And if I'm in debt, I need to start today. Don't be one of the people who constantly lives their life in debt to someone else. You don't have to be. And God wants you to enjoy life so much more than that. But you have to start, and you have to start today. All right, I'm going to suggest also you stop using credit cards. Someone's like, well, what if I have to rent a car? Or what? Well, I'm, and how often do you rent cars? You know, we, we immediately jump to the exception. There, by the way, there are ways of doing things. You can, reserve, you can reserve a hotel room with a credit card and then actually pay it in some other form when you get there. there it, it's harder and harder to get by without one anymore, but there's still ways to do it. But here, here's my point. 
if you're in debt, and I know not everyone is, but if you are, I'm going to guess that credit cards had some part to play in that. We talked about the credit card debt numbers this morning. And if you have to, cut them up. Go to a cash-only system. I know, again, we're talking increasingly hard to do. Debit cards are one way around that because with a debit card, it's coming straight and it's coming from your account. You're not incurring uh, uh, any debt like that. Um, But again, you may have to do it drastic. If you're in debt, you may have to do something drastic like no longer using credit cards. And if that's what, you, what it takes for some time, go hide them. Some, give them to somebody and say, don't let me touch these for three months. We're going to see how it goes. Whatever you need to do, do it. Uh, number three, understand it's going to take some time. So here's the thing. When you look at that number, it may be daunting. Like, how can I ever get out of that? But the deal is, it didn't happen overnight. You didn't get it all overnight, and you're not going to get out of it overnight. And you need to just understand it will take some time. And I'm warning you about that because I don't want you to get discouraged. You know, can you imagine that uh, you needed to lose 20 pounds? And, uh, and, and so you have a really good week. Really good week. You ate well, you did some exercising, no pizza, no Oreos, which means you didn't go to the youth devotional. And, um, but we always pray, bless this to the nourishment of our body. So I guess that makes it okay. So I had a really good week, ate well, exercised. At the end of that week, I step on the scale. I'm down one pound, but I need 20. In, in a weight loss situation, maybe you've been there and felt like that. You may be in a debt situation where it feels like that. I've been doing what I can, and it's not been easy, and it doesn't seem like I'm really making progress. It's going to take time. There's a biblical principle at work here. Galatians 6, 9 says, Don't grow weary in what? Well-doing. If you're doing well, sometimes it can be tiring, and and, and you want to stop doing well. Like, I just did all this and only lost a pound. I'm getting ready to go have a large pizza. Because what's the use? And some people have gotten so in debt and gotten so discouraged that they just go further in debt because who cares? No, you can and you will. But understand it's going to take some time and go ahead and get a long-term perspective in mind. Changing your habits for a few weeks is good. It just won't be enough. You'll have to just make some serious lifetime Lifetime, lifestyle changes. Another thing to do to get out of debt is be willing to sacrifice now to make things better later. And again, this is where our human nature and our cultural values team up against us and tell us the opposite. Because my human nature wants what I want now, and my own culture says, hey, You deserve to have what you want now. The problem is that mindset usually teams up to make now pretty fun and everything else pretty miserable. 
be willing to make some changes now that aren't pleasant, that do hurt a little bit, you, that you do get used to, by the way, in order that later it can be better. If impulse buying and undisciplined spending and a lack of a plan have gotten you into debt, only the opposite is going to get you out of it. And it's honestly, it's unlikely you'll be able to retain your current standard of living and get out of debt at the same time. You can't. That standard of living is why you're in debt, right? So we want to try to hang on to both. I want to keep living like I'm living and get out of debt, and, and you can't. Something's going to have to change. I'll share a, a personal story. I, I, was, uh, I was preaching, and, um, and this was like a long time ago, and I wasn't making much money at all. And we had two vehicles, and it seemed like we were in this little routine where we'd pay one off for four years. But by the time that one got paid off, guess what? That other one was, it needed, you know. And so I'm sitting there as a young husband and new father thinking, this is a, this is a cycle that I don't want to be in. I guess right now I can afford it, but I don't want to be in this cycle. And so I read a book that kind of rocked my world. And I'll share with you what, what this advice was. Drive whatever you you can afford for four years and make a car payment to yourself. I mentioned this, I think it was in class. What I, what I bought was a, an old truck with no air conditioning, no power steering. I remember one time pulling into Walmart, I actually pulled a muscle trying to get into the steering, the, the steering to get into the lot. And um, I, actually, I kind of liked that truck. It became normal. You know, at some point it becomes normal. Do it for a few weeks and it's sort of normal. That old truck is the reason we haven't had to have a car payment for the last 25-ish years. And I'm telling you, driving a car you don't want for four years to never have to have a car payment for the rest of your life is a pretty good swap. But there were times I wanted something else, right? I would go make hospital visits, and I'd walk into the hospital drenched, like the back is wet, and I'm sweating. Sorry to hear here, Sister Jones. And I look like I'm the one that's got some problem. But once it was done, it's done. Just a personal story to say sometimes we have to be willing to, to make a sacrifice now so that things will be better later. Be willing to do that. Uh, next is snowball your debt. All right, this is, this is a tried and true strategy. We're going to be wrapping it up. This is the last point to get out of debt. But I want to show you uh, how it works. This is not anything I came up with. This is uh, in the world of this kind of stuff is pretty well known, but not everybody knows about it. And, uh, and so I want to share with you. So maybe you have some debt. This morning, or afternoon now, I want to share with you this tried and true practical thing. Solomon says you don't want to be in this situation. You want to be out of debt. You don't want to be a servant. How can you do that? You're currently a servant. How can you get out of that situation? Well, it's called snowballing your debt. And here's what you do. You start with the lowest debt you have. Now, see, that's counterintuitive, isn't it? Because you're thinking, okay, I owe 400 
and 2,000 and 6,000. I need to get that 6,000 out of the way. No, it's actually the opposite. In our scenario here, the, the consumer has several debts. You'll see them in a minute. But, but the first one is they've got this Shell card or Exxon card, whatever, it didn't matter. They owe $400 for gas. By the way, if you think gas is expensive, start paying interest on your gas, and it really starts going up. $400 debt, and they're currently paying $60 a month on that gas card. Here's what you do. $400 is the lowest you've got. You do whatever you need to do legally and ethically and morally otherwise okay to get $400. You have a yard sale. You sell that thing that, do you remember that thing you thought was going to make your life so much better and it hasn't, that driver that, no, you still, whatever you need to do, you come up with $400 and do what? Go off for the weekend. No, no, you, you pay off that credit card, okay? $400 is gone. Do you know what you still have? The $60 a month you've been paying to them. Now what we're going to do, you've got $700 on your visa. By the way, I know a lot of people are like, I wish it was only $700. Just go with me. And you're currently paying $70 a month on that visa. You've been paying $60 to Shell, $70 to Visa. What we're doing now, because we no longer owe anything to Shell, we're taking that $60 and we're adding it to the, one, to the $70. And now we're paying Visa $130 a month. And you're, you're going to get out, by the way, they're, both of them are charging interest, right? You're getting out of debt and you're cutting the, the amount of interest you're paying. So now you're going to get out of visa, that visa payment in how long? Got any math majors here? About five months, a little less than five months. In less than five months, you have eliminated the gas cart bill and you've eliminated the visa bill. In five months, they're gone with our scenario. Now you have $130 a month that you were allocating somewhere else. Now you have it. Now what do you do? You've got the next debt. It's 6000 or whatever, and you've been paying 500 a month on it. Because you got that car, remember? That car looked good and smelled good, and you thought you were going to look really cool in it. Now you have some regrets. You still owe 6000 Guess what? You've been paying 500 a month on it. Now you're going to be paying 630 a month on it. And you're not going to take another three years to get out of it. You're going to be out of it in much less time than that. You see, you see the snowball? And here's the problem with debt. Well, here's the fact about debt. You're either in front of the snowball or you're behind it. It's, it's one or the other. And if you've ever been in front of it, it just rolls you over like the old Bugs Bunny or who was it? One of those cartoons just runs you over and it does what? As it's rolling down, it does what? It gets bigger and bigger and it's out of control. What this strategy does, it takes that away. You get the smallest one paid off right away. You take what you were paying on it and you put it on the next one and then the next one and you keep on and you stay with that and you stay disciplined, you'll be debt free. And anybody who used to be in debt and who is now not in debt ain't going back. I think that's South Georgia English too, ain't going back. Because 
You know what it used to feel like, and now you know what it feels like. And you don't want to go back there. You know, and, and more importantly, God doesn't want you to go there either. God wants us to enjoy life. He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He wants us to live the abundant life. He wants us to know the joy and the peace that passes all understanding. All of the blessings that come from being in Him, He wants us to know those and enjoy those. Which is why He doesn't want us to be under the constant pressure and stress and strain and emotional toil of being in debt. Those are a few things that have been proven to be effective in getting someone to get out of and, and fight against the debt that is so easy to find ourselves in. Again, I, I thank you for the invitation. You are a great, uh, receptive audience. Every congregation has a personality, and I like your personality, and I've enjoyed being here. I hope that some of the things we've said today are not only you know, helpful and useful to you, but that you will actually put them into practice so that you can live the life that God fully expects and, and wants you to live. Speaking of debt, spiritually speaking, we're all in debt. We're all in debt. But thanks be to God for His amazing grace that He paid the price so that we didn't have to be in that debt anymore. Can you imagine you've racked up somehow a quarter million dollars worth of debt, but someone comes in tomorrow and says, paid, it's done. How do you feel about that person? Well, God did so much more than that for us. Thanks to His amazing grace, we can repent of our sins and be baptized for the forgiveness of those sins and be His and live in all the blessings and all of the, the grace that He has provided for us. Whatever your need is this afternoon, if you need to respond, we are ready to help you, to assist you, to pray with you and to pray for you while we stand and sing. I am no longer